Happy Monday afternoon to each and every one. I am Chris, the creator, the host of Encouraging Your Spirit, the podcast. And today's uh, podcast episode is entitled uh, Reflective Thought at the Water Cooler. Coffee and conversation, if you will. Though I don't have any coffee right now. But it was something that I was thinking about and I wanted to just share reflective thoughts. And I I share these because, or share this, because Encouraging Your Spirit podcast, the purpose of it is to encourage, to educate, to empower people. I use songs, I use song lyrics, I use books, I use scripture, I use personal reflection, all as teaching tools in order, like I said, to educate, empower, and encourage people. And uh, one another way that I do, or skill set, or thing that I do, is thoughts, because I think a lot. I am. A, I consider myself a thinker, and I know that um, research-wise or everyday life-wise, I'm a librarian, and I'm also an information scientist in training. And what that means is I think about information. I look for patterns. I look at text. I look at text via books, text via social uh, construction, be, meaning memes, meaning Facebook, meaning Instagram posts, just all of those things, because I think socially, people talk about a lot of different things. And also, I think about, uh, because Encouraging Your Spirit, in many ways, it's a digital space, it's a ministry to let people know that Abba's love excludes no one. I often think it's important and essential to talk about conversations uh, that are related to theology, ministry, faith, life, and all of their intersections. So, one particular thought that I had because I was on vacation. So the podcast in itself has been on hiatus. And so the new episode dropped today. It'll be available on Buzzsprout shortly, but the live video is available on Encouraging Your Spirit Podcast Facebook page. And also it should be uh, uploaded shortly. It's almost complete on Encouraging Your Spirit's YouTube page. But here's here's some reflective thought. So, or something I want you to think about. The question I want you to write this down is what does restorative social justice look like? What does redress look like when we're thinking about ministry? Specifically, uh, positionality, theological framing. Here's here's an example. Like I said, um, I was on vacation, but who could miss socially the conversation about the ministry leader, Truffle Dollar, and the discussion about how he did a video where he apologized for, uh, or at least said that he had made an error in uh, his teaching on th- on tithing. <clears throat> so there was a lot of different commentary on that. Personally, I have no ability to correct or criticize Mr. Dollar. I don't know him. I don't know Pastor Dollar. I don't know. Positionality-wise, I can tell you, uh, Have I ever been to his church once, but that was 1995. Living in Atlanta, I lived in Atlanta, was it 2001 to 2003? I did not go to church there. So I don't have anything, you know, that I can offer in that, that regard. Yet I did want to bring it up because the social context. The, the fact that I'm deeply interested in how ideas become values and beliefs and the social commentary 
And I think in church space, in ministry space, we do have to have conversation about uh, what does it look like? What does it mean? Redress, uh, restorative justice mean when people have changed their positionality on issues. And while tithing is one example, personally, I think there are many others that people have uh, changed or realized, hey, they made an error or realize, hey, I don't think the way that I used to, to think and now I, I think this way. And oftentimes uh, I think about how one, more than one thing can be true at the same time. To the reality that me, you, us, people, whether we're ministry leaders or not, often our mind is transformed, is expanded in the way that we think, thoughts that we have, our positions on different ideologies and issues, shifts, changes. We realize, hey, I don't, I don't think like that, or hey, that that really that didn't make any sense. It's so a wide array of conversation as it relates to that. Yet the question and 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 point of uh, this afternoon's reflective thoughts of the water cooler is what do you do about uh, restorative justice and redress when people have been harmed? Like I said, positionality, I have not been harmed by um, Pastor Creflo Dollar's um, ministry. I have not. I don't have any harm. I don't have any harm, any things to say that his ministry has done that has harmed me and i'm not saying that or coming to that in a conversation place or space uh that seeks to be unkind or uh disrespectful I'm, and i'm this isn't snarky chris spicy chris this is just conversation about redress because there are people who have been harmed and not just on the positionality of tithing but i want us to really have a conversation in whole space about how a lot of times when we look at uh, theology and the way sermons have been, you know, preached by a wide array of uh, leaders, there are actual people who have been hurt and harmed. Like, think about that. That have really been affected. Those people have names, they have faces, they have families, they have dreams. They have been affected. And I know it would be easy or maybe it'd be simple to say church hurt. We're not saying church hurt. We're saying people that were in the church that that hurt and harmed people, past and present. And I think oftentimes we don't talk about redress. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially? Because you often do not see any conversations that talk about that you'll say like for example using you know um, the careful dollar um, ministry uh, example you in, in the social spaces you'll see well he apologized or people say hey you know it's never good enough or hey what about grace or hey what about repentance and i'm not arguing about any of those or, or thinking that any of those statements are incorrect yet while that's true it's also true that no one really talks about, well, what about the people that are harmed and what will redress look like for them? And not just on the example of, of the ministry of Creflo Dollar, but think about a lot of the teaching and theological positioning that has happened in church spaces, in ministry, and around the globe and world on LGBTQIS individuals, on women in leadership, purity culture, misogyny, 
patriarchy and I white supremacy, white Jesus, if you will. And I'm not trying to debate or say that in, in the next minute or the next 30 minutes, I could provide you a teaching on any of those things. I'm not. I'm not. That's not what I'm here to do today. My role in, in encouraging your spirit is always teaching tools. My role, role in life is often as a person that writes and does research and really looks for patterns and ways, policies, uh, information affects everyday people. And I often believe that those concepts are not silos, they're intersections. Because people work, people live their life, people also have more than one particular identity. People also have various roles in their jobs, in their life. And it's it would be difficult to say it's only in this area, but it doesn't affect this area over here. And I'm just here to say, you know, things that I was thinking about when I was reading, you know, the commentary online, it's like, we don't have a conversation about that. You know, because yes, it's true, people can apologize and say, hey, I'm sorry, hey, I'm wrong. But what would amends and redress look like? Because we don't often have conversation about what that would look like or what that even means in, the sp in, in, in these spaces. So oftentimes what happens or what it seems to happen is that a person will say, hey, I'm sorry, I don't think this. And then it'll be like, hey, that's all, that's all that we say. And then if anybody says, hey, but, you know, we didn't necessarily have a conversation about what redress looks like or what it even means or if it's even possible, they'll tell other individuals, hey, you're harping in on, on the, the issue. You're not extending grace. You're not extending or really, you don't really have the knowledge on repentance. And, and, and to me, this is my personal opinion. Uh, you can feel however you want to feel about grace, repentance. Totally understand their relationship to the concept and to the idea but that's not what we're talking about we're not talking about grace we're not talking about repentance we're talking about restorative justice we're talking about redress when people have been harmed what do you really do what do we say because they're real people with names and faces and lives that have been hurt by a lot of theological positions and while it's great and wonderful that the leader and leaders have evolved in their thought process, in their consciousness, if you will, what about the people that they've harmed? What does that look like? What does that even mean? And I, I think I think about this even more because now, you know, we live in an age where information is all around you through your phone. It's not just you're waiting on the news to come on and it's only three channels of news, you know, 612 and, and ABC, CBS and NBC. That's not the life that we live in. You know, we live in a life where you have access to information on your phone. Uh, there's podcasts. There's uh, there's YouTube. There's so many different sources. And then there's just with a quick search or the ability to know things is easier than it used to be. Or the fact that people have more than one particular platform in which to talk to people with your cell phone. You can turn on and make a video that reaches millions of faces that you don't know. Whether it goes viral or over time people just click and look at your video and see what it is that you were talking about. But I want you to think about that though in the context of ministry and positionality and my argument is not that people shouldn't have platforms nor is my argument uh, that you sh there should be things that you should should or shouldn't say even though i do think that with freedom of speech comes the responsibility of the, of the words that you speak that you do have to think about the, the lives and hearts that you speak to 
and speak toward and speak over and guide and advise and give insight to. Because long after you've shared your thoughts, people still have your words and people live by that. And that's probably why the deeper meaning of out of the abundance uh, of the mouth, the heart speaks or thinking about the power of life and death is in your tongue. And you think about that and about how the words that you talk to people when you're teaching, when you're ministering, when whatever it is that you're doing, you know, thinking about the level of affect and a power that it has on people. And when you, you, you're you out here having these conversations, these sayings, all of this, this ministry work that's getting done, what does it mean for everyday life when positionality-wise, your words have harmed people with names and faces? What should and will and must redress look like? Because I think about that because everything in life is a relational experience. We relate to God relationally. We relate to each other, me, you, us uh, relationally. Now, the level of intimacy and interconnectedness, interconnectedness, shall I say, might vary. But relationally, you relate to other people. And in our interactions with other people, what do you do? When words that you've spoken, teachings, ministry, CDs, videos, YouTube videos, on, and this isn't just just the ministries of of of, uh, of of Creflo Dollar, but think about this in a greater context of how many other ministries that there are. And I'm not harping on, you know, just one issue. I'm just saying, thinking about this in a broader context. Like, what does it mean when you have theological positioning and framing that has changed, evolved? What about all the people that were harmed by all the things that you said before? And what does that mean and what does that look like? Now, personally, I don't have an answer for you today to say, oh, yeah, this is what I think we should do. Or this is what I think it should mean. But I definitely think in these ministry spaces, we need to have conversations about that. Deeply. Seriously. Because when you think about the conversation of deconstructing your faith, of decolonization of faith, redress is a part of that conversation. Food for thought. That's all I got. I hope, um, hey, one of my jobs, I feel, is is, is uh, to get people to think critically about things in their everyday life. And I just think personally, we need to really think about our relationships with each other in the body of, uh, of Christ, our relationships over the, the, the sheep, the people that we teach, that we guide, that we minister to, however, whatever it is that we're doing. Think about that. Not in just the level of the assignment, but in the impact that we have on our life, on, on our life and on their life. And when you're doing that, what happens when the words that you've spoken and you taught were errors that are cause harm? What will we be doing about that? What would that look like and what would that mean? That's all I got. Thank you for taking time to listen to uh, deep uh, thought, reflections at the water cooler. Just thoughts I had. Peace. Y'all be blessed. Bye.